Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at an even bigger basketball win. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code HOOPS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope all of you guys are having a great day so far. Got a jam-packed show for you today. We're hitting two games from last night, the Kings and the Warriors, who can't seem to play anything other than a highly entertaining basketball game. We have another Warriors game winner in that matchup, this time from 
Clay Thompson. The Minnesota Timberwolves finally snap out of whatever early season funk they were in and beat the living shit out of the Denver Nuggets. That was a super interesting game that I want to dive into from the perspective of both teams. Then we're going to do a deep dive into the Boston Celtics. They unleashed an absolutely epic beatdown, a 51-point victory over the Indiana Pacers last night. And they are playing some of the highest level basketball that you will see. And I have a bunch of numbers I want to go over with you guys to demonstrate just how crazy good the Celtics have been to start this year. For those of you guys, I mentioned last night I was going to do a deep dive on the Bucks. Had a little bit of a time crunch today, didn't get around to that, but I'm going to do that one tomorrow. So if you're looking for a deep dive into the Bucks and their defensive and offensive struggles and a lot of interesting stuff going on on that front, we're going to hit that in tomorrow's show in addition to a couple breakdowns of games in the Thursday night slate. You guys know the joke before we get started. Subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. We're trying to get this thing launched and off the ground. It would mean a lot to me if you guys would take a few seconds to scroll down and hit that subscribe button. Don't forget about social media, TikTok, Instagram, especially Twitter. That's where I post a lot of the video clips when I'm doing my film sessions in the mornings. And it's a great way to kind of get a visual representation of a lot of the concepts that I talk about. Don't forget about our podcast feed wherever you get your podcast under hoops tonight. And then last but not least... Don't forget to keep dropping mailbag questions in the YouTube comments so we can hit them at the end of the show. I don't have time for mailbag questions today, but we'll be hitting them three, four times a week throughout the season. That's what I usually grab. And in the YouTube comments, add that mailbag question moniker at the front. So as I'm scrolling through, it's easier for me to find them when I'm looking for questions. All right, let's talk some basketball. So no De'Aaron Fox sprained his ankle late in the game against uh, the Lakers, right? He's going to be out, I guess, at least a couple of weeks. They started Davion Mitchell in that spot, and um, you know he's always been an outstanding perimeter defender, a guy who's made Steph Curry work. But he was, you know, too limited offensively to be enough of a weapon in that playoff series against the Warriors last year, right? Well, he's been shooting the ball really well this season, a trend that I noticed starting in preseason. So far through the regular season to this point, fifty-six percent effective field goal percentage on catch and shoot jump shots, and fifty-eight percent on pull-ups. So he's added just enough of that shot-making piece to make him a viable. piece. I thought he kind of set the tone on both ends of the floor for the Kings last night. And then the entire group just played extremely hard defensively. Like, again, it's funny with this Kings team. They're almost like a, they're almost cursed by their own offensive skill, right? With Sabonis, with three athletic wings that can all shoot and put the ball on the floor, Deer and Fox at the helm, with Malik Monk coming off the bench and some of the bench scoring options they have. They just are so gifted offensively that a lot of times they can win games without being a team that's super dedicated on the details defensively. But they're actually a better defensive team in terms of personnel than you would think, especially if you look at the perimeter. Guys like Kevin Herter flying around on the perimeter, especially on the glass. Keegan Murray, I thought, had a bunch of good quality perimeter defense possessions. They still fall asleep sometimes. There was a Keegan Murray badly died on a screen late that gave Steph Curry a wide open look on the right wing. There was a, a Kevin Herter play where he was top locking Clay Thompson and wasn't paying attention to the uh, to the ball and got beat on a back cut of uh, from a pass from Draymond Green. So like they're not perfect. They have their limitations, but they've got the athleticism. And when they actually try, they can be an impactful perimeter defenders, right? And then when you couple that with like a game like this where without um, De'Aaron Fox, they know they have to play like that to have any chance. They actually did a pretty decent job of throwing the Warriors out of whack and, and, and turning the game into a rock fight. It was a physical game. There was a lot of uncalled fouls against both teams. 
They got big-time games out of both Malik Monk and Demonis Sabonis in terms of shot creation. Sabonis has really, really struggled in this matchup, and I think for him personally, uh, I think it's, it's, it's important for him, him to have a few more games like this in the regular season where he plays well so that if he does have another opportunity to go up against the Warriors in the playoffs, he just kind of has some of his confidence back because I thought the Warriors kind of sapped him of that um, uh, throughout that series last year. So the Warriors were actually down by 11 in the second half, and it looked like they were in good shape. But once again, it was that bench lineup there in that early fourth quarter that kind of worked it down. Uh, Chris Paul had a couple of big plays early fourth quarter, a, a, a nasty left-handed drive on um, Sasha Vizankov. Just kind of, exp- I remember watching that and thinking like, Ooh, that's going to be tough if, if Sasha can't com- uh, contain like on a simple closeout someone like Chris Paul there. And then he had another one of those classic pick and pops with Dario Saric on the left wing that got Dario Saric a wide open three. And the Warriors kind of briefly took a lead and then it turned into a classic kind of back and forth type of game, right? And from there, you know, it was funny because they couldn't get a stop. And this has been an issue for the Warriors throughout this particular season. Even though they're 3-1 and one in games involving crunch time, they've really struggled to guard down the stretch of these games. You saw that specifically in the Suns game. They have a 124 defensive rating when the game is within five with less than five minutes left. A couple of things are just breakdowns, right? Like, Last night, you let Kevin Herter get a driving layup and pick and roll. That's just a mistake from the back line, right? There was a play where uh, Malik Monk just did a basic rip through to the right on Gary Payton and got all the way to the rim for a layup. Uh, It was a tough finish, but it's like got to probably make Malik Monk see a little bit more of a crowd there considering he's their best offensive player in that specific situation, right? Uh, Well, they got a couple of buckets late, and next thing you know, they're up by uh, down by one. And the Warriors actually, very smartly, credit to Steve Kerr, did not call timeouts in this situation down the stretch. And Steph actually ended up scoring on um, on Malik Monk in kind of a semi-transition possession, hit him with a crossover right to left and made that scoop shot in the lane to put him back up by one. But then Sabonis banks in a jump shot at the top of the key to put the Kings back up by one. And then once again, Steve Kerr, smartly not calling a timeout, letting them kind of figure it out. The Kings ended up throwing a, a, a double team with Sabonis on Steph Curry up uh, at the uh, – uh, extended uh, right wing, right? Steph ends up cutting through. Clay Thompson's being guarded by Davion Mitchell in the right corner. And, and you know, kudos to him to not just standing there and waiting for Steph to get involved. He noticed that things were breaking down, and so he kind of cut up to the top of the key, and Draymond hit him. And then from there, it's identifying your advantage. Know your advantage. He had Davion Mitchell, a small defender on him, that was definitely going to be able to beat him to a spot, but that would not be able to bother him if he got to a uh, enough space where he can rise up and, and take a jump shot over the top of him. And so Clay just hits that hard dribble to his left, bumps him off with that right shoulder, step back, and then from there, like that's just an easy shot for Clay. He knocks it down, two tenths of a second left, and the game is over. So a couple things there, like I, I – I really liked, again, Mike Brown is a, is a guy that's one of the best defensive co- coaches in the league. He's deeply familiar with everything that Golden State does. He's been there in a lot of those late-game huddles. That's not to say that Kerr doesn't have new stuff, but like at the end of the day, take Mike Brown out of the equation there by not calling the timeout and force the Kings to kind of figure it out on the fly. You had that sloppy semi-transition possession where Steph got that easy layup, and then you get a sloppy double of 
uh, of Steph Curry that basically just removes him from the play but leaves all of this open space for Klay Thompson to catch and go to work against Davion Mitchell. There was a, if you haven't heard it yet, I encourage you guys to go listen to Steph Curry's postgame comments. He talked a lot about the uh, kind of how cool it was for him in that left corner to watch Clay Thompson make the shot and then to have him turn and Draymond Green's right there. Draymond hugs him and they're, you know, uh, hyping each other up on the sideline. And, uh, you know, like Steph basically just says, like, it's really cool that after all these years, they're still the same guys and they're still doing it. And it is cool. And I, and I agree with Steph and he, he, he used the word poetry to break it down. And I talk about this all the time, uh, in, on so many different levels. Obviously I have a certain romantic approach when it comes to the game of basketball, but I even feel that way when it comes to the schematic approach. I always talk about how the game of basketball is more an art than a science, right? Like it, that's why I think that, you know, an overly uh, focused approach on analytics can be a problem when you don't factor in the, 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 the synergy between basketball players and how that's difficult to quantify, right? And, you know, one, I th- one thing I appreciated about that is like, and this is something I think both Steph and LeBron appreciate and why I think they've been such good faces of the league over the last decade. They just have such an appreciation for the history and they have such an appreciation for like how cool these moments are and they take, they take full advantage of appreciating them. This is, LeBron used to do this back, if you remember, when he'd win the Eastern Conference for the whatever manyth, manyth time in a row. He'd always just say, like, don't take this moment for granted. Enjoy this moment. And I felt like that was kind of like a that type of moment from Steph last night. Just, like, not taken for granted. Again, it's a random October, well, I guess November 1st game against a Kings team without their best player. The Warriors didn't really play all that well, especially on the offensive end of the floor. But it was a, another Clay Thompson game winner, another really cool moment where the Warriors just felt like the Warriors in a lot of big ways. I mean, they're down 11 in the second half. How many times have we seen the Warriors come back and win in a furious second half comeback when they're down double digits? It's been one of the most, you know, kind of iconic uh, elements of the Warriors dynasty, right? Um Again, a couple of specific things that they need to work on. Uh, that defensive uh, rating in the in clutch time is a little bit of a concern. A lot of three guard lineups in the clutch. I shouldn't even say three guard because Clay's kind of like a forward, but they've played a lot of Chris Paul with Steph and Clay in the closing group. They actually played a uh, uh, they played a three guard lineup last night with Gary Payton as a guard as well, in for Andrew Wiggins, which was weird because Andrew Wiggins was actually playing a decent game and got kind of his. A slashing game going so I was actually surprised that Wiggins didn't get the nod down the stretch but I think they just wanted to have a better option uh, to contain Malik Monk on the perimeter right that's the idea but I mean Gary Payton ended up getting beat anyway but they uh, they have a 31% defensive rebounding percentage in clutch situations so far this year think about that they are only grabbing 31% of available defensive rebounds when the score is within five with less than five minutes left. And so that might be one of those things where, hey, maybe you lean a little bit more on Andrew Wiggins in that situation. You might want to consider going big. Uh, They've been scoring really well with the clutch group, and it's hard to get too upset when you're 3-1, and but a 124 defensive rating, I guarantee you um, that group isn't uh, satisfied with that particular number. And who knows, maybe Draymond being back in the big picture will help, but Draymond was on the floor last night when they gave up those three late buckets. Um, after Steph's driving floater in the lane, the one on Malik Monk, the one before Clay's game winner, he's now shooting six for nine from the field in clutch situations. 
including five for eight from three. And he has 20 clutch points, which is the third most in the league behind LeBron James and Luka Doncic. Uh, On the Kings front, I thought that was like, again, like I talked about earlier, I thought that was a really fun example of what this Kings team is capable of as a perimeter defense. And they can really be a pest. They have a lot of length and athleticism and they have depth on the perimeter as well. And, and like, I mean, even Colby Jones had a couple of really nice moves there in that first half uh, and, and and looked like he had enough athletic pop to hang in that environment. Uh, Davion's Mitchell, Davion Mitchell's shooting is exciting. Again, Sabonis having a good game to kind of be, uh, beef up his confidence there a little bit. I thought that was like, I guarantee you Mike Brown went into the locker room after that game and said like, hey, I know that sucked, but if we play like that, we're going to win a shit ton of basketball games. And, and I really think that that needs to be an important part of their identity moving forward this season. All right. Uh, Nuggets Wolves. This is, this was a really interesting game. I was excited to watch this one. I wasn't uh, planning on hitting any other games from the Wednesday night slate because I wanted to do more deep dives, but not often do you have a team like the, the Nuggets kind of kick everyone's ass to start the season and then run into a buzzsaw. And again, like, you know, it's funny, there's been a lot of things that I've been right about so far this season. And then there's been a lot of things that I've been wrong about so far this season. And uh, at least in the small sample size, it's to be expected. I'm not some, uh, Nostradamus dude. I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I think it'd be weird if anybody was capable of predicting something that's supposed to be as random as the NBA. But, you know, I predicted that the Bucks would really struggle to start the season. They have struggled. I predicted that the Celtics would run away with the league and it looks like they're well on their way to doing that. But there were a couple of other teams, specifically the Lakers and the Timberwolves, that I said would be very good regular season teams that both came out the gates playing pretty bad basketball. And both of them got on track last night with really good games. We talked about the Lakers last night. But the Timberwolves, they had lost a, a, a really ugly game to the Atlanta Hawks where they blew a, a, a late lead. They lost to the Toronto Raptors. They haven't quite looked like the Timberwolves, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. Um, so I've been looking for them to kind of snap out of it and kind of regain some of their identity that they had in the tail end of last season, right? And so uh, this was a great chance for that. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design icon West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of the two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices made with natural latex responsibly sourced natural wool 
and environmentally safe foams, the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Visit lisa.com forward slash hoops to learn more. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash H-O-O-P-S. At home against an undefeated Nuggets team. And then again, like if I were to tell you guys, like those of you guys who have listened to the show, if I were to ask you guys, like how would the Timberwolves beat the Nuggets? It's a pretty straightforward process. Like you stick Jaden McDaniels on Jamal Murray and you erase him from the game. And then you make Jokic work hard and make things difficult with him. Uh, with Cat on him and with Rudy Gobert and help, right? And then you run it down their throat and transition. That's what that that's what it would look like, and that's exactly what it looked like. And it was funny because I remember thinking before I started watching the tape, I'm like, I wonder if this is what it's going to be like. And it was an absolute masterpiece from the opening tip of perimeter defense from Jaden McDaniels, just taking away all of the easy shots that Jamal Murray gets in the offense just by navigating screens and staying attached with all the length and athleticism that he has. I, you know, I sometimes I feel like something screams at us in the face and we just need to accept it for what it is. I don't think there's anybody in the league who's playing better defense on the perimeter right now than Jaden McDaniels. I would say he's probably the very best perimeter defender in the league. And I thought him kind of like throwing Jamal Murray out of whack right from the start was a, was a huge part of how they got off to an early lead in this game. And then it was like a steady diet of bodies coming in, right? Like Nikhil Alexander Walker came in and did a good job on Jamal Murray that they had switches where it would end up being Kyle Anderson on Jamal Murray who would do a good job. They just constantly had length and athleticism up in Jamal Murray's face from the opening tip of the game. And then Carl Towns is funny. Carl Towns is not a good defensive player. But the Jokic matchup is weird because he's so damn big and strong. You know, I talked about this about the Embiid concept, right? Like Embiid's not in the same stratosphere as a defensive player as Anthony Davis, but he's kind of uniquely equipped to handle Jokic because he's just big, right? That's kind of the thing with Cat. Like, like Cat was big enough to absorb some of the Jokic blows and just kind of make it a little bit tougher on him. As a matter of fact, if you go watch this game, especially focus in on that first shift there in the first like six minutes, watch how often Jokic tried to post Cat up and Cat was able to flatten him out a little bit, meaning make him go side to side versus actually downhill towards the rim. And when you couple that with Rudy Gobert and his unique ability as a backline defender to kind of like play that middle ground between Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic, they did a really nice job. And even Nas Reed, who's not as uh, uh, you know uh, big and strong, I would say, as as Cat, I thought he came in and did a decent job on Jokic. As a group, that front court held Jokic below fifty percent shooting, and he had more turnovers than assists. You can't do a better job than that on Jokic. Now, again, like it went exactly as you would expect when 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 it was clear to Jokic that the other guys didn't have it. When Jamal didn't have it, Michael Porter Jr. took some really tough shots early and, and was missing them. It kind of became clear that Jokic needed to be aggressive, and he did. He looked to be aggressive, and he made a bunch of shots to kind of keep them close in the game. That's what the best player in the world is going to do, right? But for the most part, you made Jokic work, and you made him less efficient than he usually is, which is what you want to do. And then on those stops and turnovers, they got out in transition. They had 27 points in transition in this game on their way to a convincing blowout. They spent the majority of the game up by 20. Um, they killed the Nuggets bench group by playing both Nas Reed and Carl Towns in that group together. 
And then they just posted up those two guys every single time. And Cat would like back his man down and get a bucket. And then Nas Reed would back his man down and get a bucket. It was like they just, they just, in a weird way, they made the Nuggets look small. And the Nuggets aren't small, but that's kind of the beauty of matchups in the NBA, right? Like I always talk about how matchups dictate things in the playoffs. And like the Nuggets, I think, are the best team in the league. And we're going to talk about that more in a minute. But like the truth of the matter is, is like even if the Nuggets are the best, that's they're not an unbeatable basketball team and there's going to be one of the 29 teams that's more equipped to beat them than the others and if they catch them in the right matchup and enough guys play well they can beat them right and like we actually saw the the Wolves last year give the Nuggets some trouble uh, without Jaden McDaniels who had broken his hand in that Lakers game and without Nas Reed as that backup center option to throw at at Jokic and so like this is as of right now, I would say that they're probably the most well-equipped physically to handle the Nuggets' offense. Because of Jaden McDaniels being the best perimeter defender in the NBA, having two big-bodied centers that they can put on Jokic to keep him from bullying his way to the rim, and having that legitimate backside defensive weapon in Rudy Gobert playing that back line causing problems and their ability to get down the floor in transition. Um, on the Nuggets' front, Really poor offensive approach early on, I thought. Uh, Jamal Murray in particular seemed intent on demonstrating that he could score on Jaden McDaniels, and so he took a lot of really tough jump shots over really good contests by Jaden McDaniels, and almost all of them came up short on the rim. They turned the ball over way too much. They had 11 turnovers in the first half. That led to 20 points for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then they just dug themselves into too big of a hole. And then from there, like uh, not enough of their guys played well to try to dig it out, to dig out of it. Non-Jokic starters were eleven for thirty-four from the field and had six turnovers. So again, like uh, I think they're capable of playing a lot better than they did. But credit to the Timberwolves, like that—that's what the Timberwolves are supposed to look like. They're supposed to be just an unbelievably good defensive team. That's why I've been so excited about them. That's why I believed they could be a great regular season team this year. They did not bring that regular season defensive intensity to start. Uh, Jaden McDaniels missed the first couple games as well. Now that he's back, hopefully they can recapture that identity and maintain that throughout the season. The Nuggets ran into their first buzzsaw. I, I think the, the Nuggets are the best team in the league, but what did I say at the beginning of the year? I said, right now they're way ahead of everybody because they know exactly who they are. Everyone else is kind of figuring things out, right? I still think when we get to the end of this road, the Nuggets are going to be the best team in the league, but only by a small amount. And what that means is, is that I don't think they're going to rip off 60, 65 wins. I think they're going to rip off 53, 55 wins, right? And, and which is in the Western Conference, that's amazing, right? And I think they're probably going to get the one seed. But, I mean, like, they're not going to beat everybody. And this was a good example of the type of talent that you run into on a night-in, night-out basis in the NBA. And when they play like they're capable of playing, you can lose to anybody in the NBA. And, and I think that's going to be a consistent theme throughout the season. All right, before we get out of here, we are going to do a deep dive on the Boston Celtics. So they had a 51-point win over the Indiana Pacers yesterday. As of now, for the season, they are first in offensive rating, scoring an astonishing 125 points per 100 possessions. I'm going to give you guys a shit ton of numbers here in the next 10 minutes. And my goal here is just to help you guys understand statistically how good the Celtics have been, not just within the concept of this particular season and their peers, but even in the all-time sense. This is this team is is dominating at a crazy level right now. They are seventh in defensive rating, allowing just 105 points per 100 possessions, and they are first in net rating. They're outscoring teams by 20 points 
per 100 possessions, 20.1 points to be exact. So let's uh, talk about both ends of the floor. We're going to start on the offensive end. And for me, everything with the Celtics team starts with getting out and transition off of stops and turnovers. This is why I've been such a big, you know, proponent of them getting back to their defensive identity from the 2022 season. Like that's when they're at their best. This team, excuse me. When they get to late great, late playoff scenarios, they're not going to be as good of a half-court offense as some of the other teams in the league. So they need to have part of their identity being the best defense in the league, trying to get out and transition as much as possible. They had 36 points in transition against the Pacers for the season. They are averaging 28 points in transition per game, which is the third most in the league. The Hawks are at number one. That was the team that uh, um, I begged to run more in transition over the summer, and they have been doing so. And then the Thunder at number two. Um, But the uh, Celtics are scoring 1.23 points per transition play as well. So they're third in the league in transition points per game and sixth in transition efficiency. It's a huge part of their offensive success right now. They're running the rim. They're running to the corners as shooters, and then they have trailing three-point shooters. And so they just – put their heads down and and try to get to the rim if they can, and then they make really good reads out of that for wide-open threes. And then they've been a devastating matchup attacking team. They're scoring 26 points per game in isos and post-ups, including passes. Uh, 13 points per game in iso, that's the fifth most in the league, 1.13 points per possession, sixth best in the league in terms of efficiency. 13 points per game out of the post, that's the second most in the league, only to the Nuggets. 1.21 points per possession, which is the fourth most efficient. So they've been really good beating individual matchups in the post and in iso. And then they've been really, really efficient in pick and roll. 32 points per game in pick and roll, um, that's the 14th most. Um... Uh, So not a heavy volume, but 1.06 points per possession. That's the fifth highest mark for efficiency in pick and roll this season. Uh, Porzingis and Horford as ball screeners. Uh, That's adding this other pick and pop element to a higher level than they've had in the past. They're scoring nine points per game out of the roll or pop. That's the eighth most in the league. 1.26 points per roll man possession, which is the eighth most efficient. Credit to Porzingis here. He's been one of the best roll men in the league. 1.5 points per roll man possession. Think about how insane that is. He's good for a point and a half every time they pass him the ball in the roll. Uh, He's shooting 75% in effective field goal percentage. Thanks in large part to those pick and pop threes. He has scored 21 points out of the roll so far this season. That's fifth most in the league for a ball screener behind Shangun, Vucevic, Nikola Jokic, and Joel Embiid. As a team, the Celtics are shooting 40% from three, over 40%. That's the fifth highest mark in the league. They're making 17 threes per 100 possessions. That's the second most in the league. They are just good at absolutely everything. They're even eighth in the league in offensive rebounds per 100 possessions. Like I can't find... Uh, opportunity there. They're just good at everything. They shoot the ball well. They attack the rim well. They attack out of the post well. They attack isolation matchups well. They score and pick and roll well. They run in transition really well. They kill you on the offensive glass. They are good at everything. And it all starts with Jason Tatum at the uh, forefront. If you guys remember, I said before this season, Tatum can win MVP, but he needs to have this crazy statistical season and the Celtics have to win just a shit ton of games because everything's going to be graded on a curve and Tatum's curve is he has the most talented supporting cast in the league, right? Well, so far at uh, in the 4-0 start, he's averaging 30 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 assists. 67% true shooting. 
And I want to credit three specific things here so far that are monumentally improved over last year. First of all, he's making his pull-up jump shot. He's converting them at 56% in effective field goal percentage. He was at 40% last year. A very bad pull-up shooting season last season. He's finishing at the rim better than ever. He's shooting 75% at the rim this year compared to 65% last year. And he's added a reliable post game. Last year, he generated just two points per game out of the post, including passes, two points per game. This year, he's at 5.3. And on those possessions, he's got an efficiency of 1.24 points per possession, including passes. So more than twice as impactful as a post player this year than he was in last season. And he's been the eighth most efficient post-up player in the league so far to run at least 10 post-ups. So Jason Tatum, for all intents and purposes, is playing like an MVP, and even within the context of this talented roster. And again, like this, there's a very specific reason why that efficiency matters. He averaged 30 points per game last year. This year, he's averaging 30 points per game on significantly lower usage. Um, this is his lowest usage rate in three years. It's at 30.6. That's pretty standard for a star. Last year, he was 32.7. The year before that, 32.1. Why does that matter? This is a large group of players that all need touches. You're fitting in Porzingis as a much more aggressive offensive option. Like You've already seen Jalen Brown, for instance, He's taken a little bit of a hit in terms of like his offensive aggression. He's down to 23 points per game after averaging 27 last year. He's having to do a lot more work as a slasher and as a spot-up player, which has helped. Like Jalen Brown's having one of his best spot-up seasons ever, 1.15 points per possession just because he's driving closeouts a lot. He's, you know, uh, uh, he's contributing with pull-up three-point shooting, particularly in transition. He's 6 for 11 on pull-up threes so far. But he's taking some sacrifice in terms of offensive touches. Well, so is Jason Tatum. He's just so damn efficient that he's still averaging 30 points per game just like he did last year, which was his career high. And so I think I, I think like it's hard to it's hard to overstate how good Jason Tatum's been and how easy it's made things for the Celtics offensively, especially when like again, Porzingis is averaging 19 points per game. You gotta fit that into the whole mix of things so, uh, uh, at a certain point. Now one thing offensively is the bench guys haven't been shooting super, super well, right? Like Peyton Pritchard hasn't shot as well as he did in preseason. Al Horford has struggled with his transition to the bench. But it hasn't mattered because the starters have been that good. The Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kristaps Porzingis lineup so far. 72 minutes, 126 offensive rating, 89 defensive rating. That's like unbelievably good. Outscoring opponents by 37 points per 100 possessions. That is the very best five-man lineup in the NBA to play at least 55 minutes so far this year. Uh, just They're just kicking everyone's ass. And, and that's why I feel pretty strongly that at least within the regular season context, they're going to run away in the standings. And again, that defense element, that's the part that I want to emphasize here. That's, that 89 defensive rating... That's the type of number that has me feeling like this group is closer to that 2022 group in terms of their defensive identity. You can see it on the screen. Tatum and Brown in particular are playing a much better defense than they did uh, last year. As a team, here's some defensive stats for you guys. Seventh in defensive rating, third in half-court defense according to Cleaning the Glass, allowing just 86.2 points per 100 possessions. They've been the very best rebounding team in the league, grabbing 55.4% of available rebounds. They are the third best paint defense, allowing just 43.7 points per 100 possessions in the paint. They're allowing the ninth fewest fast break points per 100 possessions. The two big areas of opportunity on their defense uh, right now is the three-point line. They're allowing 12.3 made threes per 100 possessions. That's the 17th 
most in the league, uh, or 17th least in the league, I should say. And they could also stand to force a lot more turnovers given the amount of athleticism they have. They're forcing just 11.5 turnovers per 100 possessions, which is the third worst mark in the league. Again, with the transition offense that they already have, supplementing that by forcing more turnovers, that could go a long way as well. I think they're capable of being even more disruptive than they have been. But they're hitting several key markers that make me feel a lot better about this team than last year's team. The defense, with at least with the starters, the defense looks more like it did two years ago. Jason Tatum looks like he's made strides as a half-court shot creator, improved pull-up jump shooting, and a much more dynamic post-up attack. And then Drew uh, Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis have been seamless fits on both ends of the floor. This team, again, like the, the same question marks will be there in terms of their half-court execution when we get down the line. The better their defense is, the more margin for error they'll have in that area. But I feel pretty good about my preseason prediction that the Celtics are going to run away with the regular season. I think they're going to win the standings by at least five games. I think they're going to be able to comfortably get away with the number one overall seed. And I mean, I'm excited to see them play some tougher matchups down the line, but they've they've passed with flying colors so far here early in the season. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow covering some Thursday night games as well as a deep dive on the Milwaukee Bucks, maybe another team as well. We'll see how uh, things go with time. But as always, I appreciate you guys, and I will see you then. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Visit lisa.com forward slash hoops to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash h-o-o-p-s. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.